Entregor Invisia! Hey. You can do this. Welcome back to Disney Rewind, the show where we openly admit that we may be Pixar elitists. Okay, kidding for the record, but off the record, are we? Today, we will be discussing the 2020 film Onward. This just recently came out, so it was my first time watching the film, and it feels really good to focus on some brand new modern stuff. This season of Disney Rewind will be focused on films that either look at the past historically or look at the past in an emotional, reflective sort of way. Each episode, we will try to connect the film to this central theme. This season will also see us look at films from the 1960s, 70s, 2010s, and 2020s, four decades we have not yet touched. Before we hop into the episode, let's look at ratings. As of recording, our two favorite movies are Up and Princess and the Frog. Currently, our two least favorite movies are Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and The Black Cauldron. We have only looked at five movies, so this will definitely change over time. I'll update at the end, at the beginning of every season. So, let's talk about Onward. Onward was released on March 6th, 2020 to critical acclaim. Sadly, due to COVID-19, the film seemingly lost a ton of money. But since it's due to unforeseen circumstances, it being a box office bomb does not really mean that there wasn't a lot of interest in it. No source material since this is a Pixar film, so I will only be running through the film's plot. That being said, spoiler warning ahead. Onward takes place in a world inhabited by your typical high fantasy creatures. We have elves, we got dragons, centaurs, manticores, and even pixies. Magic was once an important part of society, but technology largely killed its following due to how difficult it was to cast and how easy it is to turn on a light switch. Our heroes are a pair of brothers, Ian and Barley Lightfoot, who live with their mom and her quirky cop centaur boyfriend. Their father died shortly before Ian was born. The illness is never explicitly stated, but it was quite traumatic for Barley. On Ian's 16th birthday, he is given a present from his deceased father. Okay, the father doesn't come back as a ghost, he just simply kept it hidden in the attic until Ian grew up. The present turns out to be a staff, one that Ian can use to cast magic. They also find a scroll that describes a spell that will let them spend a day with their father. Barley fails to cast the spell multiple times and gives up. Later on a whim, Ian tries it and succeeds. Except the gem in the staff becomes depleted, and they only manage to resurrect the lower half of their dad before the gem breaks. Deciding to find another gem, they set off on an adventure, with their first stop being the Manticore's Tavern to find the map to the next gem. Once they arrive, they find it is not scary or dangerous as the legend tells, but it's really just a children's restaurant. Through some convincing, and maybe some (laughs) slight gaslighting, they make the Manticore realize that she has been living a total neutered life. In response, she burns down her restaurant, no one is hurt, and they escape, with no map in hand. Well, okay, they sort of have a map. You see the actual map burn up in the fire, but the restaurant's children's menu gave the same clues that the brothers needed. At the same time, the brothers are unknowingly being chased by their mother, who arrives at the Manticore's restaurant shortly after after their departure. She finds the Manticore, who tells her where they are heading. 
but also mentions that she may have forgot to tell them about a curse. A great spirit protects the gem, and it can only be defeated by a sword that she pawned off uh, by a sword she pawned off during tax troubles. The two decide to work together and steal the sword. Ian and Barley continue to get caught up in all sorts of troubles, whether it be a freeway battle with pixies or crossing an invisible bridge. All these little dilemma vignettes are supposed to show that Ian is growing more confident in his magic use ability. Even more dilemmas occur when Ian reveals that he thinks Barley is kind of a screw-up, something that will play heavily into the film's third act. After moving through a dangerous trap-filled cavern, the two head through a final chamber and find themselves right at the local high school. They go through the cave and emerge through the sewer, only to find out they're pretty much exactly where they were at the start of the film. Ian, heartbroken, verbally attacks Barley and accuses him of ruining the chance to be with the dad he never knew. Barley, very upset by this, devotes himself to continue looking for the gem while Ian runs off with their dad's lower half. After reaching a cliff, Ian in self-reflection realizes that while he never knew his dad, Barley has always been the one teaching him right from wrong and loving him unconditionally. Ian begins to run back to apologize, but just as he reaches Barley, Barley finds the gem. Ian and Barley, along with the Manticore and Mom, use the gem to begin casting the spell, but as they do, a dragon made out of building materials, aka the high school, shows up. After a lengthy battle, they manage to vanquish it. They also finish the spell, although at this point, they only have minutes left with their father. Ian sacrifices his time with his father to make sure the dragon is defeated, therefore allowing Barley to get his final goodbye. After the spell time runs out, which was a healthy classic 24 hours, Barley returns and tells Ian that their father is proud of him. We get a montage of what the characters do after the adventure is over, and we close the film. Back to Pixar. During summer of 2017, Onward was announced as an urban fantasy movie, with Monsters University director Dan Scanlon overseeing the project. The film was inspired by Scanlon's own father who passed away when he was young. After hearing an audio clip of his father, Scanlon sat down and wrote the story. Stars Tom Holland and Chris Pratt actually spent some time together rehearsing lines to add chemistry. More on these two and their connections later. The film features one non-score song, which is Carried Me With You by Brandon Carlyle. Originally, the film had a deleted scene where the brothers are attacked by a group of evil mermaids who attempt to kill the heroes. The scene was removed as it felt to be far too dark and took away from the brothers' chemistry. Now, I don't exactly have a lot of information on this film since it just came out, so we're pretty much already at the release. Now, I would do a What Was America-like segment, but the movie came out this year, and you know, <laughs> you know how 2020 is going. Onward premiered at the 70th Berlin International Film Festival and saw a widespread release just a few short weeks later. The film got a short dealing with Maggie Simpson of the Simpsons fame. It is called Playdate with Destiny. It's super weird seeing a Simpsons short before a Pixar film, but Disney owns both, so why not? The reason why it did so poorly was because a lot of the international money was not obtained. This is because international release dates were either pushed back or cut entirely due to COVID-19. Because of the novel coronavirus, the film was released on a plethora of platforms, though, including Disney+, Amazon Prime, and iTunes. It did well on these sites, but still lost a good bit of money. The film also sparked a lawsuit as one sweet Cecilia Donner claimed that the van in the film was based off the van that she let the company rent in 2018. The trial is currently in limbo due to COVID, but I have the filing in the description below. The film made $103.2 million, which seems like a huge success, but the budget was around twice the size of the box office earnings, 
technically making this a failure. Again, this is due to the movie theater shutdown that we are currently experiencing. The film is currently banned in various Middle Eastern nations for featuring an openly gay character. Not surprisingly, the nations in question that have banned the film also have laws against romantic endeavors between same-sex individuals. Let's finish with a discussion about talent. Tom Holland plays Ian Lightfoot. You may know him from his work in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man and his roles in Spies in Disguise, another film that we will eventually be covering. Blue Sky Studios, technically owned by Disney, so duty calls. Chris Pratt plays Barley Lightfoot. Chris got his big break in Parks and Recreation, a mockumentary show about civil servants, and currently plays Star-Lord in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the larger films and also the Guardians of the Galaxy series. Other cast members of note are Julia Louis-Dreyfus of Seinfeld fame, Octavia Spencer of The Help fame, Ali Wong, a comedian, Tracy Ullman, who was on Masters of None, and once again, John Ratzenberger, the man who's in pretty much every Pixar movie. So what did we think? Welcome back to Disney Rewind. I always get so confused. I usually record my bit first. I have not for the last two episodes. So welcome back. To Disney Rewind. Hi! I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my co-host as always. Me? Oh, me? Yes, Steve. Ashley. Max. We're gonna go with Ashley. Ben's mommy. Ugh. Re- Rebecca. Re- Rebecca. <laughs> First of all, how's everyone's week been? You know, usually I usually ask my co-host how things have been going. How's everyone's week been? Current updates? Any? I'm recovering from surgery. That is true. And I well. have Violet with me now. Aww. Mine's been great. Um, we're pretty much totally interconnected because uh, COVID. Yeah. So I know everything that's happening with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like an evil AI. April, I swear to God. Horrible loss of all my Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, I know. I was. Max has really been rocking your Hawaiian wow. shirts. Today we're going to be discussing the. Brand stinking new. So sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. The brand stinking new movie onward. This is the newest Disney Pixar movie. I don't know if Spies in Disguise came out first, but I think this is the newest one. Yeah, that's the that's like the Blue Skies one. We oh, technically. I thought it was just, yeah, I thought it was just. I didn't know it was called Spies in Disguise. Yeah, yeah with Tom it. Holland and Will Smith. Tom Holland's in that one too. Yeah, he's the. Anyway, I think this is the newest one. I think this is the only one to come out in 2020. We are joined by my two cats as well. I'm so sorry. She meows if I don't pet her and if I do pet her. But let's jump into some thoughts. Let's jump into some questions. Okay. The film heavily focuses on relationships. What relationships connected with you the most? I think my favorite for sure was definitely the relationship that... kind of became more apparent between him and his brother. I think yeah. that it's an interesting perspective, it's an interesting story, and it's something that I think a lot of American kids can definitely relate to, who you don't have that fatherly figure in the household, and kind Good of point. someone steps up and takes that place, or, or something like that. Good point. Yeah, I like the whole familial relationship between the brothers and the mom. It felt it felt very genuine. It felt very human. It was good writing. I also liked that the brothers didn't like they they teased the, uh, her boyfriend, but they really it still yeah. felt very human and realistic the way that they were reacting. I hate the trope of like 
hating the step parent. I think that's very overplayed in Hollywood. But it was nice to see like a annoyed with the step parent, you know? <laughs> don't want him dead, don't want him out of the house. Just simply like a little weirded out. I think that's I think that's a pretty good uh that's good writing there as well. <clears throat> this movie had no villain. No antagonist. I mean they sorta did. There was a curse. Well it was a curse, but it wasn't directly cursed. Yeah. They woke the curse up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, that was a nice part of it. Is a, uh, is a good person, or at least a regular person. Even the pixies were not even really that horrible, yeah, they, you know? Yeah. They were, they were, they were a little volatile. They were a little uh, in your face, but... Yes. April agrees. April agrees. April agrees. <laughs> but they weren't, they weren't even really horrible. It, it felt... It felt very nice. After watching Black Cauldron, where the Horned King is horrifying and looking to destroy the world, we get this movie where um, it's just two boys going out on an adventure and meet their dad, and no one's really no one's really trying to do them harm. Yeah, my relationship is with seemingly everything and its past that's been forgotten were phased out. There was people in general, the relationship with magic, the manticore lost her true self with her business. Mm. So she changed and then um, even the one guy who never knew his dad kept looking for that. So that buddy ends up finding magic and even the, the stepfather ends up just running and letting his hair out. Yeah. So everybody kind of reconnects with the past that's been hidden or or their, the their true selves. Right. It's kind of just letting go, I guess, and living life. I really liked how this film kind of let it happen simultaneously with, like, modern narrative, if that makes sense. Like, I thought it was really cool how he was still, he, he was experiencing being um, a centaur, but at the same time, he was still being a police officer, and they were still living in their little cute mushroom house. Like, it wasn't like a reversion back to what they were, but more of an acceptance of what they were and kind of yeah. celebra celebration of that. Uh, I also loved mm -hmm. the mom's relationship with both sons. Mm -hmm. um, you don't see a lot of Disney movies where the mom has the greatest relationship with the kid, especially if the kid's the protagonist. And I like the one scene where um, the older brother is goofing around going, find your inner warrior, find your inner warrior, and the mom just flips him over her shoulder. <laughs> and his response is, see, mom has the inner warrior. Like, they have a really good relationship there. Yeah, she does have a relationship. A really good relationship with both kids. And she knows, like, that they miss her... Pilot. They miss her dad. Um, but she also tries her hardest to, like, be there for them and keep him in their lives even if he isn't actually there. Yeah, she's definitely doing her best. Uh, even in a fictional world, it's probably pretty hard raising two kids on your own. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought it was a really human film. I just liked all the relationships. I, there wasn't a single dynamic I did not like. And I especially like the end, but I think we'll talk about that more in the general discussions. The Modern Adventure. How does high fantasy translate into the digital age? We kind of touched on this a little bit already, but I, for one, loved the use of like magic and all these high fantasy elements in a 20th, 21st century world where you had smartphones and you know 
highways, highways and cars, and high school. Because mm-hmm. I feel many times that movies that try and do that end up being corny. Like, sorry, everybody, Harry Potter. No, um, no we're sometimes mad at J.K. Rowling. Harry, Harry Potter sometimes comes off as very corny and elitist when it tries to pair magic with like mm-hmm. the real world. But I think this film did it kind of seamlessly. Agree, disagree. Well, magic was kind of forgotten by most of the world. They were um, trying to board over, rebuild that area where the final stone was. And yeah. The dragon comes out, which is why the older kid kept getting in trouble because he kept trying to stop it. Oh right. So they were definitely trying to just phase out magic little by little, but it still kept popping through. I mean, the, qu- they, the quest they follow is on the kids' menu. <laughs> it's not on the map. So it just translated to the kids' menu right. step by step. I love that whole part. Yeah, that, that whole Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing. Yeah. I loved that. I could just watch that over and over. Um, they had that one scene with uh, the van Guinevere mm-hmm. where uh, eventually Ooh, the older Gwenny. brother sacrifices Guinevere to help the quest go further. Mm-hmm. And they had that little gag bit while it was still upsetting because we got emotionally attached to a car somehow in this film um, where the tire blows out and it sounds like a galloping horse. Yeah, <laughs> and then the parking tickets make waves out, out the window. as it lifts in the air and it looks like an actual like Steve. unicorn Pegasus yeah. Steve thing. It reminded me very much of that real yeah. one scene from that high fantasy movie. The one where he loses the horse. I think it's what is it called? Loses the horse. It's like one of the most traumatic scenes of like people's childhood is this kid losing his horse. It's like a live action. Um, oh, oh god. Um, he gets stuck in the. Oh, mud. you guys, you guys like this movie too. It's um. It's not labyrinth, right? No, the never ending story. Oh yeah. Yeah, the never ending story when the horse dies. I, I don't. Know. I've never seen I've that. Never movie. seen it. And you I'm haven't read it. the book. Uh uh-uh. uh Well, how did I know about? It? You probably. You probably read saw it or read it. People talk about it a lot. Yeah, online, I guess people talk. Sure. Anyway, the never. Yeah, so. That's anyway, your point. It felt very much like this movie was kind of joking with like tropes like that. Like you have the loss of the great steed with the horse. You have the epic battle at the end, but mm. it's using a, a building, a school yeah. building with like a school bell. So it's it's very. I feel like it merges a lot in this film, and that's what makes it work really well. This is the first Pixar slash Disney film to be released this decade. Do we like the direction they are going? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love where Disney is going right now. I, I think I can echo that as well. I'm a bit of a purist for the 2D hand-drawn style. Will I ever get that back? No. And that's okay. Right. No. no. It's just too expensive. And, and too time-consuming. And that's totally fine. I'm totally fine with that. Oh. But um, I actually really liked how this movie looked. I'm kind of excited for how 3D animation and modeling is going to continue. It should be cheaper to do 2D animation and modeling in the computer. Yeah. Not to draw yeah. yeah. That's but, what I was the computer. But, but it might be more time. Can well, how did, how did Claws yeah. do, do their animation? Was that all hand-drawn? Yeah, I think Claws was all hand-drawn, right? Claws, yeah. Oh, sorry. Claws, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, that was all hand-drawn to look like 3D animation, but it was 2D, totally. Okay. Um, it was completely 2D, completely hand-drawn. I still don't think we're going to be getting it back. I just think 3D animation is like the way people are going. But, um... Yeah, it's true. Well, Simpsons takes a year to produce. Yeah. Mm. 
that's can't draw an animation. I mean, South Park is a little different, but I know that they're like up all night the week before episodes yeah, yeah. come out. Oh, yeah, and I don't think it's drawing this paper. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's all the computer stuff. Oh, like, is at it first now? they did the, co- the yeah. paper. They sit now, just get a computer program and use that style. Just ignore her. And they could pop one out in a week. She, yeah. she can't sit up. She keeps falling. Regardless, I'm I'm excited to see how Disney keeps on moving. We got some more films already announced that they're doing. Soul is coming out very soon. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, and then Raya and the Lost Dragon is slated for a 2021 release. That's gonna be interesting. Which has um, Aquafina as one of the main characters. Oh, I forget who the other actor is, but um, yeah, so far. Big thumbs up. I feel like Disney's starting to tell stories that they didn't tell before. Like, I feel like a lot of Disney production, um, like, older stuff is just kind of the same stories. Like, you have Cinderella, you have Snow White, Mm -hmm. Saving the Princess, but now we have stuff that, like, Coco, we're talking about Mexican-American children, and then you have movies like this, Mm -hmm. where we're talking about your non-traditional families, and I'm excited to see uh, what else Disney does. I love politics in movie. I think... I think with diversity you can tell more interesting stories so I'm hoping they continue that trend I don't really foresee them unless somehow China's economy gets so large that they can put a serious financial pressure on creative control well, I feel like Disney even if China doesn't like like something they'll just edit yeah they'll just edit it with John Boyega you were telling me right now they're editing him out of all the Star Wars movie posters because he's uh, participating in, in China Black Lives he's not Matter. even on it because he's he's been doing the protests. So. He's been a big focal point of the Black Lives Matter protests. Finn from the new Star Wars movies. So why are they editing him out? Because China doesn't like China him. does not want people protesting, so they're trying yeah, to remove okay. him. They're trying to censor his. So who's removing him? Who's the, using the Disney. Yeah, Disney's China. removing because they want to sell the stuff in China, but they don't want. Why are we supporting Disney? Because Disney owns everything. You can't oh, but they're not removing him from movies. No, 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 just, no, no, no. Poster just the poster that are in China. It's still not okay. There's yeah, no, because there's no Chinese people know nothing about protesting. <laughs> yes. Let's just well, yeah. technically, those people are belong to the nation of Hong Kong, or at least they uh, want to. Not, not anymore, but they want to belong to Hong Kong. Mm. No, protesters usually disappear before it gets cooking. Yeah, in China. That's why Hong Kong was such a mm. surprise. Yes. Whew. But yeah, well, in this movie too, one thing was for diversity. There was everything was diverse. Yeah, absolutely no, no race or no species looked down upon. Nope. Yeah. Even the pixies wasn't like oh, it was pixies. I was just like pixies. I don't know. Unicorns are basically rats. Uh, yeah, they were more so animals. Yeah. But even so, they all got they all got the same respect. Yeah. There wasn't anything that was like uh, bad or uh, good. And, yeah, what, what do we have? We have elves, we have trolls, elves, we have manacles, manacles, trolls, centaurs. What was that, like, lizard lady? She was a I don't know. She a basilisk, maybe? Yeah, a basilisk. But, yeah. The dragon that was the family pet. <laughs> I do appreciate Zootopia for all that it had to say about racism, but I also really appreciate this film for not really saying anything. <laughs> you know, this is just a, this this movie could have went that route, but that was already a story they told, and they decided just to kind of proceed with without any uh, any instances of prejudice, which was nice. It was nice. So this season's main theme is looking into the past historically and reflectively. 
Um, how does this film accomplish this, and does it do it well? So obviously this film doesn't really look into the past historically too much. I well, disagree. It does. Yeah, I disagree with you, actually. Okay. It, well, yeah, actually, go ahead. The whole point of looking into the past in this movie was gain back the power you had. Like, they used magic in the past. They had powers. They could fly. They could run for long distances without getting tired, and they were like, oh, this is difficult, but they looked into the past and got it back. That's true, yeah. And, like, the whole point of Chris Pratt's character is, or, like, not the whole point, but, like, a part of his character is him looking at his D&D-S books and being like, look, this was our history, this was our past, and, like, we can do this, we're just choosing not to. And, like, the scene where he's talking to the Pixies, and he's like, you guys can fly, like, that's based all on their historical background yeah. not real historical background but that's still a good point though this yeah. movie actually does do quite a bit of historical mm-hmm. gleeping mm-hmm. now how cool would it be if we looked at Dungeons and Dragons books and that was our past <laughs> <laughs> well from a mythological standpoint you can you know D&D has plenty of creatures like dragons and hydras and medusas and those are all oh based God, off real myth and probably real misconceptions about natural events or animals. I want to be able to shoot fireballs. Yeah, that's not going to happen mm, right. time soon. Right, well, that's, yeah, if you could, then the people who couldn't, that's what the Chris Pratt character, he loved magic so much, even though he couldn't do it, it didn't really bring him down, that he couldn't do it, and his mm-hmm. brother, you know, most people would just say, why him? He doesn't believe in this stuff, and I do. Yeah, I don't mean that. But he was just like, yeah, pumped, like, yeah, it's real, you're doing it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Do you think Chris Pratt's character would eventually learn to use magic? Was it something that everyone could do, or was it something that only some people could do? It seems like it takes a lot of practice for sure, but it seems... Like, I don't know, it was weird. They never really delved into that uh-uh. in this film, like, at all. Like, at the beginning of the film with the exposition, they said that everyone can learn magic, but it came harder from different people. Yeah. And I think since they gave up on magic at some point, mo- a lot of different people just couldn't learn after that because they gave up, and it was just... It was we just knew, easy to turn on a light switch. Yeah, we knew the dad. We knew the dad was a wizard of some sort, so obviously the younger son got the genes of that. Yeah, that's true. I guess it may be dominant or recessive. I wonder it if would, it follows Mendelian. It would definitely be recessive. It could because the mom if it's is Mendelian, more of a warrior, like physical fighting, and we can see yeah, that in the that older is true. Son. I didn't even think about that. Because yeah. you don't have to have magic; you could be a barbarian. That's true. Big Smashy Hurdy does pretty well in fighting. Let's go through Rage. <laughs> we play a lot of D&D in this house. At least yeah. Max, Ash, and mm. we do. Yeah. I'm surprised you never got into it. Nope. Yeah, why didn't you ever I get into it? I don't know. I think it, it's all numbers and stuff. It seems like you're... Anyway. It's well, so how do you feel that, that reflects in video games? You find that video games that are easy to play with... Seem- well, yeah. that might take more work to learn or a little harder that they don't do as well as games that are just... A, oh, like tabletop? A breeze. Well, no, like, video, like your dad's talking about, like, like, the Call of Duty games are pretty easy. Like, anyone can do those. But then Dark Souls games are really, really hard. And they're but not you have a huge fan oh, base for the games yeah. that are yeah. harder to accomplish. So well, 
Dark Souls, Dark Souls is weird because it's like so put on a high pedestal. But I honestly believe that anyone can learn how to play Dark Souls. It just takes practice. But I mean, sure, there are video games marketed towards people who are less less uh, involved in gaming. Animal Crossing is not a game that you exactly have to master a lot of skills to yeah. enjoy, but. Um, like I, I just finished playing through Spider Man, and that's a game where you need to like collectively learn and build off of skills you you've been acquiring through the game to like truly feel good at it. And I think I think video games might be like magic. I think the more that you work into it, and the more that you like take time to take time to like build upon what you're learning how to do, the more enjoyment you have. I think also with, like, games like Until Dawn, uh, they brought in new elements, like, physical things you, a human, could do that would mess up the game. Like, if you moved an inch at certain points... Oh, yeah, you could kill your character. You could kill your character by moving, and I think that's also another example of, like, games becoming more difficult to master. Yeah, absolutely. I have a new segment idea that I just came up with, a little bit of improv. So this new segment to break up our discussion, I'm going to have you all come up with a brand new plot for a film, but you have to use the title onward. So you have to you have to think of a, a film. Wait, did you explain why this was called onward? No, but I was probably going to do that after this. Okay, cool. So using the title onward, come up with a funky new film. Uh-oh. I'll go first. Is it allowed to be R-rated? Uh, yes, but I'll have to bleep stuff out. My onward would be about four people trapped on a roller coaster ride um, across the land, the world's largest roller coaster, from country to country. And I don't know, but you know they're going. <laughs> this segment's a wash. No, no, I have. Well, no, everybody else has to have a turn. Yeah, Just I because your idea is bad, is weird. <laughs> it's onward. They can't stop. The brakes won't stop. It's like drive Isn't that speed. No, it's like speed, but on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what are other people's onwards? <laughs> I got one. Yeah. Oh. Easy. Horse girl movie. Ooh, like it's what? It's so easy to make a horse girl movie called oh, onward. onward. Like, girl moves to the countryside. It's going to be your standard horse girl movie. She gets a horse, but instead of entering in a race, like a horse race, she like runs away and moves onward to find a new life. Ooh. Horse girl movies never fail. Yep. Bumblebee is my favorite horse girl movie. <laughs> it is, it a, is horse a horse girl, girl movie. <laughs> it really is. No one understands you like I do. <laughs> I just don't Haley Steinfeld is great in it, though. She's a great actress. Alright. Anybody else have their onward idea? Uh, sure. I can. I mean, if no one else has, I'll go. Um, onward. That word makes me think of like, uh, kind of, very much the American like manifest destiny and going through like the Oregon Trail. So I would do something like that. Like Ooh. these people are pressing onward. But uh, I do want to note that I would make it historically accurate. So I'm gonna be brutally honest if I don't. Onward. onward, the story of the Donner Party. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Path to glory. I'm making a movie called Onward Ho, but it's H O. <laughs> about a prostitute that I don't know does something. Like my, my fair lady or whatever or whatever the yeah. pretty woman. Yeah, pretty woman. There's mine. Yeah, Onward Ho. All right, Steve, what's your Onward? Uh, I guess my Onward would be a group of people in a car. They're trying to get to a location, and the driver just 
they have no directions, so they, they go for a while, and then there's a debate about whether they should just turn around and start over from the beginning, or keep going onward, and making decisions about which way to go, and should they just go back to this point, or back all the way, or just keep going onward. And that would pretty much be my plot of the story. You can make a horror movie out of it. Yes. Or a fun stoner comedy. Right. Yeah. I just mean yeah, like... And then it would be a Twilight Zone where the walls would come down and be revealed that they won't feel, you know... Yeah, virtual. ooh! See, oh, as yeah. they had to go anywhere at all, and then they get up finally and just decide to walk out of the room. Nice. Okay. Very uh, Rip Van Winkle caper. Yeah. Segment will come back. We're going to get funnier every week. I'm going to put my <laughs> credibility on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, back to discussions. Now we're open to general discussion, so hit me with it. Max, why do you think this movie's called Onward? For real. Oh, well, I was honestly just talking about the scene where he goes, it's O for Onward instead of Forward or oh, yeah. Drive. Because he's such a nerd. It's just like, Onward! But it's moving forward from your past. Like, the whole time the main character is uh, prohibited by memories of his father that he doesn't actually have. Like, trying to gain that back and he's sticking around in the past and the whole quest is him moving onward with his brother and discovering that his brother was his father figure he has his mom and he keeps going forward and he grows I would agree I think that is definitely definitely the basis of the movie I like this movie a lot I do too I thought it was great mm-hmm. very funny very uh very well animated and good voice acting. I thought the music was a little lacking. I felt like they were trying to make songs like like there's there's definitely songs that sounded like other real songs, and oh, then they yeah. turned it instru- more instrumental. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It didn't translate well enough for me. I didn't really like it. I felt that they could have done a lot more with that. Felt like a very basic kind of soundtrack a little bit. Some parts of the movie were a bit too fast. Like, we have the scene where we find out that the younger brother thinks his brother is, like, a bit of a disappointment or something. And then they fix it by dancing. And then everything's healed over. By dancing? Until later. But it's such a small, quick, I can't believe you think this way of me scene. And then it's never discussed again after that. Yeah, they, they shouldn't have pulled the trigger on that. Until later, I think. Well, they, he brings it up again later, too, because he says to him, like, wow, you were the disappointment that I thought you yeah. would be. Yeah. But it is very glossed over, because that kind of fixes itself pretty quickly. Yeah, pacing is probably my only issue with the movie. Not not in that I didn't enjoy how the scenes were structured, but I... It's just... The time frame wasn't believable. If you're going to do a movie with a... A harsh time frame of 24 hours it needs to feel a little believable and like the whole movie was contained in the one town they're in and it just felt felt a little weird that it took that amount of time for them to kind of do a lot of the stuff they did not that we were in a big circle and the last part was underground yeah but I'm still wondering about the fathers the whole quest that's the reason for the movie the MacGuffin for the movie so he gives him the quest, and all the time the mother never opens the package. Mm. 
That like, yeah, that was the part I, I struggled with. Too. Yeah, it's like wait till the kids Sorry. are sixteen and never look inside. Even I, I seriously, you know, I don't think any person would. Yeah, at least peak. And then he makes this spell, but what was it—the defective stone, or did he know that the it's stone the wouldn't sun, work? The all sun the way? didn't know how to do it and accidentally broke the stone. There you go. The, it wasn't the father giving a defective stone. The son's one new magic, but didn't believe in it. Uh, how much fun was the father going to have? You know, like, oh, my wife is dating this other guy. And I think his whole purpose, though, was just to see his sons. Yeah. And he, it wasn't really about her at that point. He just wanted to see them one more time. Well, yeah. he did, through feet. And where was he? So, 16 years of wherever you go onward to, and he gets yanked back to spend half of the day. Well, just Only just half legs. of him gets back. Yeah, for most of it, till the end. Which is a major entertaining part of the movie, especially when they put the, uh, the fake top hat on, <laughs> and it would always be, uh, you know, flipping off the pixies or. Yeah, I did like the the only like clearly clearly uh, children focused gags were physical comedy, which I think everyone can appreciate. So a lot of the a lot of the stuff that kids were gonna laugh at, the low hanging fruit jokes, were really just the dad stumbling over himself. And mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty funny, too. Yeah. I thought it was pretty... There was no low-hanging fruit, like in a lot of children's movies mm-hmm. named Scoob that I've recently watched. <laughs> <laughs> movie's horrible. It really was. Oh, I love the scene where they're talking to the pixies, and it looks like the dad is, like, rolling his eyes at the pixies. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. Like, yeah. like, and then it's just such a cute little, like, quick thing that would happen. It was nice. It was a good, like, movie for kids that I could watch now. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was reading about that deleted scene, which didn't make much sense to me either. What yeah, so there was a deleted scene where um, it seems like they befriended some sort of goat. Yeah, goat girl. Goat girl, and then were, like, trapped by evil mermaids In these houses who, for sale who or tried something? to kill them. It was very dark. It got removed. Yeah, because yeah. it was... So, here, I'll just... I think they wanted an an antagonist at some point. Ian, Barley, and Wilden are joined with a goat girl in the journey. Ian and the goat girl come across a booth hosted by three evil mermaids. The mermaids sing their mesmerizing song to lure the two into staying in one of the three houses put for rent. Ian tries to silence them with the staff, but the spell is too weak. When Ian and the goat girl are finally in a trance, the mermaids place them in one of the houses, and the house that they're in starts to sink into the ground. Didn't this happen in Black Cauldron? The goat girl was omitted because the filmmakers wanted the film to focus on the relationship between Ian and Barley, and the scene itself was removed because the filmmakers felt it was too grim. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, it didn't it make no, didn't no sense. Yeah. I feel like that was going to be a build-up to romance, and they nixed it. Yeah. That's still okay to say. Nixed? Yeah. That's not a curse word. Okay, cool. Yeah, they nixed it. Yeah, I'm fine with that cut. You know, yeah, totally fine. I feel like that would feel so out of place. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, totally. Vibe check. Totally. Yeah. This was a very carefree movie, though. You know, there was definitely some sad moments. It was nice that the mother didn't die for a change. Any final thoughts before we move on to ratings? Any other stuff we want to talk about? April, you got anything? She's coming in for her uh, moment to speak. I think we really touched on a lot of what we liked. We touched on some stuff we didn't like. We touched. 
We touched. Yeah. It was touching. So let's move to ratings. I'm most important, so I'm going to go first. Wow. Ha! <laughs> I'm going to give this movie an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not... It's like so close to hitting the Pixar upper echelon movies for mm-hmm, me, but it mm-hmm. just barely just misses. Missed it. Yep. Just barely misses due to some poor lines that I think could have been rewritten and some pacing problems. But um, I still thought it was a very good movie. It's a great movie to watch with your kids. It's um, and it's on Disney Plus and other other websites, so it's not exactly hard to find right now. It's a nice movie, also. To watch with your kids to kind of process loss, also, I think. Sorry, everybody. Our neighbor decided to do something, which is totally in his right. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> I think it's like a really nice movie to be able to process loss with kids because it's not like a sudden death. No, yeah, it's very. It's an older death, but there's still a lot, like obviously lots of feelings unpack. involved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you just said, so I'm just going to say 8 also. I'm going to say 9 out of 10. I generally enjoyed this movie, and this was my second time watching it, and it is better the second time. Yeah, oh, I agree. Because you get to see a lot more that you didn't see before in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it, but like you see more of the buildup of relationship and more of when you know he's not going to see his dad, you see at the beginning like the tr- transition. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing, and I think it deserves a nine. Ashley? I think I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I really, really liked it. I really liked the story. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit more from it. I don't know, but I felt that there was something missing to it. Um, And I didn't... I kind of agree with you. Some of the lines were a little eh, and some of the music was a little eh. But overall, it was a fantastic film, and I think... It gives a lot of promise for Pixar in the future. Dad? Yeah, I'd give it a seven. I really liked it. It was a good movie, but it was kind of monochromatic. The whole story was the quest. Nothing but the quest. And the same with all the characters. They kind of had their little intros, but then after that it was their reaction to the quest and what they needed to do to do this or that that was part of the quest. And that kind of and nobody had their little subplots, really. It was mostly just, yeah. we're doing this, and this is the whole movie. Yeah. So it's kind of a straight line, rather not like an S-river shape. Mm. Just right to the end. Yeah, I would have liked more story about Chuck E. Cheese and her. Yeah, her. yeah I love her. I love that character. Octavia Spencer, great job. Yeah, her. she rocked it. But it was interesting that there were no antagonists. Yep. No real evil characters. Yep. And the mother didn't die. So that's Disney, uh, all three things that Disney usually lives on with their movies. A lot of rewatchability. Maybe that should be like something we... Uh, oh, yeah, rewatchability. Yeah. Uh, some like Snow White, no rewatchability. Yeah. <laughs> the black culture, no rewatchability. We have decent rewatchability. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Bye. Before we introduce next week's episode... Time for question of the week. Yes. Ooh. What would your you reward be? Podcast? What? Did 
you take this from our podcast? Uh, you took that from the Rod Squad, which I've been so. doing since 2017, mm, and has always had a I question of the week. The Rod Squad. Well, then maybe you should start. All right, go to your rooms. <laughs> question of the week. On your journey, you know, your quest, what is the reward at the end of the tunnel? Are you talking about our journey this week or our journey in life? Or? No, we're talking about if you went on a quest in a magical, magic world, Like their, what their would you want your reward to be? Their reward was their dad. Uh, what would you want your reward to be? Oof. I can tell you what mine was. Mm-hmm. A Philadelphia soft pretzel. And a just nice, one? Yep, just one. And a nice <laughs> Rita's lemon water right. ice. You still that from your You father. could go get that at... Rita's yeah, right but now. There's no quest. I want to fight a dragon. <laughs> uh, we'll walk there. Rita that's quest. Or cross Ridge Path. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good dragon. <laughs> yeah, was, you know, social distancing might have to deal, with, deal with some surly people. So that'd be my quest reward. Yes. Mm. My reward would be the quest, but a t-shirt okay. would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I survived my quest. <laughs> I went on this quest and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> this is hard. Take your turn. I the health that. and happiness of my family would be my reward. <laughs> That's a Brooke answer. <laughs> it's a mo- it's a me answer. There you go. No? Maybe we- it's a mom answer then. All right then. Well, How about a piece fine. of jewelry? Right. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> There it is. I was in champagne. I think I'd want to have closure with relationships I never got closure with, with past friendships or people that I never got to say goodbye to, like Morgan. Look at you upstanding us. I would like to have that. Because mm. their whole quest is about bringing back their father who's dead, and I'm just thinking in that scenario, there's people I never got closure with. Mm-hmm. And some of them are still alive, so it's still possible, but like, if that, I have to do a quest for it. Okay. And what about you, Ash? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to pick something not serious, Um, and I'm going to go with a little Ashley wish. Uh, As a child, my greatest quest, I always used to imagine going on this, like, grand adventure, and the reward was always going to Narnia. (laughs) Going to Narnia? That's so cool. Yeah. Getting kidnapped into a foreign kingdom. No, I'm not kidding. No, you, like, go through the wardrobe. And then get involved in a civil war between Jesus and Satan. Oh, king's going to hang out. I changed mine to going to Terabithia from Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah. 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 At the end of the Super Bowl, the interview. Where are you going now? I'm going to Narnia. (laughs) So next week, we, or whenever we record next, time has no meaning anymore. We will... Be watching The Sword in the Stone. This was Max's what? pick. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Max, then it's you. Then it's you. That's the order. We looked <sighs> at the order. We will be watching The Sword in the Stone, a 1960s, our first 60s Disney movie. This one, I don't know how much it really fits with the theme of looking into the past. It is in it the past. But we're definitely going to be looking at the Middle Ages and looking into the past historically. I should borrow my book. So I look forward to having you all... Join us then, and until then, stay safe, stay smart, and always onward.